0: On today's episode of Shooting the Breeze, we talk about how we prepare for severe weather. Severe weather season after all is just around the corner. We'll also talk about severe weather climatology and how that pertains to central Illinois weather. So sit back, relax, and let's shoot the breeze with your local weather authority. Hello everybody. Welcome to episode number seven.
1: Yay, lucky number seven. It is
0: my favorite and lucky number. Is it? I like it. It's
1: just a number.
0: It is a number. The voice you are hearing is meteorologist Molly Naslin. Hi. I'm chief meteorologist Chris Yates. And Sherwinski's in here somewhere. Ah, there there he he is. is. I'm here. I'm here.
2: I I was just I got lost, and I, I had like five different things going on. I'm trying to pick which route, and then I realized, oh, that's right. We're in the middle of the podcast, so I might as well get ready for it. So I apologize, guys. That, that was bad on my part. We're, no, all, we're
1: all here for it. We're all here for it.
2: Anyway, how are you guys doing?
1: We're here. It's sunny. It's finally sunny outside. Yeah, we got outside. some great weather.
2: It really it's is nice good. outside. I walked outside of the gym, or walked to get to the car to get to the gym, and I was like, I'm getting my vitamin D. There we go.
1: After... I mean, we didn't really have any rain on, on Tuesday or anything, but just nonstop clouds this week. And then finally yeah. today, it's oh, sunshine.
0: Yeah, things are actually looking a little bit look a little bit better as we head into the weekend. For those who don't know, we record these podcasts on Friday, and the weather is actually looking pretty good. So go us. We'll take it. And Yay.
1: we have a chance for thunderstorms next week, which we all know I love thunderstorms, and I'm kind of excited for it just because it's... I and I said this this morning. I love the nice sunny weather, but when we get these long stretches of sunny weather, I run out of things to talk about. So it's nice to just get the little blips of different weather that goes in there.
2: My favorite is when you get you know the nice weather, and you either get a warming trend or a cool or, or a cooling trend, and then you got like to top it off in the seven days something to tease. It's like oh by the way, it's nice out, but we've got storms on the way. Or, it's been nice the last several days. But, but. it but. sounds so dramatic. It's always a
0: but It's always a but We're always looking ahead to the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. f- now um, it's we're still not entering. Uh, we haven't entered our severe weather season yet. But there's been a few events um, that have kind of taken place elsewhere in the country. Uh, the southeast, in particular, had a pretty decent event. Uh, and by decent, I mean a pretty high-end severe weather threat uh, earlier in the week, and um, that of course moved out across uh, the southeast mid-Atlantic region. Um, uh, the next day Uh, we've also had a few events out across the central plains so severe weather season is um just around the corner so a lot of people you know it's always in the back of people's minds when are we going to get our first round of severe thunderstorms um but uh you know the we can go and talk about what we do to prep for it i think it'd be kind of so what let's start with molly do you have a what do you have a go-to routine? Because I'll be interested to hear this because we all have different ways of doing this. So what is something that you tend to do uh, to prep for, let's say, severe weather coverage? We know we're going to be on air quite often. So what are some things that you would do?
1: Um, a big factor that plays into it is, is whether or not I'm going to be in studio with you, Chris, or if I'm going to be out in the field. If I'm in studio, uh, I go with my air-ready clothes. Uh, But I also bring food and lots of water because we are often talking for very long stretches of time. Um, I just kind of mentally prep and also mentally prepare myself for the fact that it's probably going to be a long haul. Uh, Typically, wall-to-wall coverage, at least, is usually a long haul for us here because we like to make sure that everyone is informed. Uh, If I'm in the studio, air ready, all of that, if I'm out in the field... Uh, It's a little bit of a different route. Uh, I try to lean more with the more comfortable, flexible clothing, uh, just so that I can be flexible and be ready to just dip if I need to, if there's ever a situation where we need to use an escape route, uh, being able to do that. But wearing my WMBD polo, because I love doing live hits when I'm out in the field. It's nice
0: to just be in a polo t-shirt sometimes. (laughs) Yes.
2: it's
1: It's amazing. It's amazing.
2: I haven't even gotten mine yet and I'm excited to eventually get mine. Oh,
1: it's um, just so freeing. You 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 get to wear when you're out in the you're out, out in the tracker. You get to wear the big bright yellow vest when yep. you're on the side of the road too, so you get to be bright and flashy. And then you have wires all over you between the mic and the IFB and your phone and everything.
2: So far my live shots in regards to weather have been snow, yeah. ice, mm-hmm. cold.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: There was a one day I think it was it was uh, one of our photogs and myself were just standing out there, and I was like, This is like what the one, two, three, four, five. I'm like counting on my fingers how many times I've been out here already, <laughs> already this season, because it was so cold. And I'm looking forward to actually not freezing uh, the next time I do a live shot. That's the one thing I'm, I will say. If yeah. I have to go out in the field. It's like, at least I won't be cold, hopefully. Yeah.
1: The biggest thing, especially from this past year, because I did all of the severe weather coverage with Chris, yeah. uh, I did all of the events. Every single one, the big similarity was Chris and I touching base to make sure we were on the same page with what the idea was. There was one day where I thought my plan was solid. I I went south. I thought everything was going to be south, and we had that one teeny tiny little baby cell over Chillicothe north, and I missed it. And I was so mad. Uh, (laughs) And we couldn't get back up there in time. So
0: That's that's how it goes, though. Yeah. Um, You kind of pick a target and... Especially when you gets around here and you have a river that you need to cross a lot of people then you just cross the river, but you gotta you know I'm like yeah, but you got to have a bridge <laughs> and if the nearest bridge is fifteen miles yeah. the, the the opposite direction you need to go it gets a little tricky there's not a bridge every five or a mile or so yeah, like, or oh, no. you know it depends yeah, so it, it takes some good planning and you know ideally if we got a severe weather setup, we try to set up we know storms are typically moving east, so we try to get east of the river, mm-hmm. but if the conditions are not ideal for severe weather over there or something then that doesn't obviously work in our favor but
2: this may sound like a weird prep thing but you and i uh chris were talking the other day about geography uh for chasing here in um mm-hmm. or going out here in central illinois and i was like well obviously the river is going to be a big deal and you're like well there's also a couple other spots you were pointing out like don't you know here's a rough spot here's a rough spot there's a lot of woods here road network's not good here and uh, on my way from Bloomington, well, I was going to Champaign, but going between Bloomington and Peoria. I noticed, you know, you were talking about this area can be kind of rough. And I'm like, OK, the Mackinac
0: River yeah. definitely
2: turns into a quick valley and then it's back to normal. But it's it's quick and noticeable. As yeah. yeah of,
0: you right? don't want to hang around there too much. I mean, if you're looking for visibility. Then, right. Uh, yeah. But once you get east of the river... Things do kind of flatten out a little bit. They visibility do visibility greatly improves. Yeah. So I'm and already
2: checking out the geography, so I know <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 my even before storms
0: are even a thought. the Prep work is just geography right mm-hmm. now. Yep, and that's gonna you know it's very helpful because um, you know we don't it's yes there's some fun that goes into chasing, but for me who's who and I do miss getting out there and storm chasing. Uh, it's actually having a live camera on the storm can tell you a lot it's nice to get my eyes off the radar and to actually just see what i'm Mm -hmm. looking at and then looking at it on radar you know I tell you what as soon as i can see it what's happening in real time with a feed coming in uh from our chasers uh i can predict that much quicker what the storm is going to do next because you can see it in real time because the you know the radar is updating every minute and a half but now i'm getting it Within seconds, Constantly. and mm-hmm. it's it's and I'm like, oh, I know what this thing is doing now. And then the next radar comes in, then you see that update, and you, and you you know we get that. It's so that's why it's important to have either one of you out there uh, doing the chasing.
2: I know with the this is going into a little bit of what we had this past week uh, with the storms down in the south. Um, some of the storms, when they showed the video afterwards, and I remember some of the. Re- reflection or the reflectivity and all that stuff i looked at that and like in the back of my head and i was like okay and then i looked at the storms that the video they actually showed and i was like those tell a slightly different story same story but slightly different ways you know mm-hmm. one would give one kind of this is what this is this is what what the setup was the atmosphere was like the other one was more like this is just what's happening so it's like you can kind of see the difference between distinguish the two of how the storm really looks I mean yeah radar looks one way but it looks almost different when you see it in person I mean you can see a little bit more of. oh it's doing this or it might be trying to do this whereas on radar you only get what the radar tells you
0: well it, there keep in mind there's a there's there was an event we had, and I I, I don't remember the exact year. I, I'm going to say 2016, 2017. Okay. Where at like 11:40 at night, there was a tornado that touched down in Delavan. You now it didn't get warned, and I'm not blaming the weather service for this. These that day we had a lot of storms rotating, but none of them were rotating near the surface. There was a there was a stalled front that these storms were just riding on, and there was a lot of mid level rotation, and we're like, is that rotation getting down to the ground? Mm-hmm. and we're you know weather service we're talking back and forth and we see the lot of we see a lot of mid-level rotation and we don't see and it's not like really strong so you're not really going to warn it mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we get a blip on the radar 11:40. i'm like uh-oh and then the next scan comes in a minute and a half later and it's gone i'm like i'm like okay well i hope i hope that was just the funnel cloud or something or that was because we just saw a little bloop there was no uh there was no debris signature or anything mm-hmm. like that it was just we saw a boop a little bit of a little bit of a couplet. And it was gone. And we had seen this off and on all night. And then, like, 30 minutes later, we get a we get a report. Hey, there was a funnel cloud sighted north of uh, north of San Joe's. I'm like, when was this? They're like, oh, 30 minutes ago or so. I'm like, well, maybe that, that would make sense. That was it. Well, then more time passes, and then we start getting... And I'm finishing up our write-up for that day because we had some severe weather earlier in the day, which is why I was in the station, and I was kind of just keeping an eye on the radar. And all of a sudden... Like, hey, there's re- there's damage in Delavan. I'm like, don't tell me that. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> no, no. And, and so, yeah. The, so the tornado came down. Um, I think it injured a few people, but didn't kill anybody, thankfully. Good. And it was on the ground for about a minute and 15, or a minute and 30 seconds. The radar caught the very tail end of it. Wow. It nicked it, ah. and so this is this is why spotters are important. Mm-hmm. Now, this at night, the only way you were seeing this was with lightning. And I don't think there was a tremendous amount of lightning out of this thing either. So the fact that somebody even saw the funnel cloud was amazing in itself. Um, and so that was, a, that was a real tricky one. We're like, what do you do? I mean, you get – because the average lifespan of a tornado is typically maybe a minute or two most, if that, depending on where in the country you're located. I know the big ones – are the ones that get all the headlines, but there's a lot. Most tornadoes are not on the ground very long, right? No. And if your radar only sweeps around, now this is an improvement. The radar used to have to wait like five minutes for the radar to go through its entire scan through the entire atmosphere before it came back down to the bottom. Now they they go they go down and then they go back up and then they go back down and so the radar kind of bounces around a little bit to give us faster updates. Uh, so that is, um, but yeah, it was you know this is why we need spotters because. A lot can happen in a minute and a half with a a thunderstorm. I mean, you can see a a storm go from, uh, we can even go back to the El Reno uh, tornado event several years back, killed killed a few storm chasers. That storm went from like a, what, a half mile to almost a two mile mezzo sitting on the ground in a matter of seconds. Mm -hmm. And so that's where spotters come in handy to let us know, hey, this thing's growing. And that's an extra thirty minute or thirty minutes, thirty seconds to a minute of lead time you may have if your radar just updated.
2: Going back to prep work, um, what else do you guys do? Because
0: I'm being the new guy here. I'm just (laughs) kind of curious how you guys do. You do
2: guys do things because it's different than what they do uh, back in Joplin. So it's like, what 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 does Chris do to get ready? Uh, Molly brings food and gets ready to roll. What about you, Chris? It's just a lot of. It's a lot
0: of prep. It's a lot of pre work before I get into work.
1: It's um. Especially since Chris and I literally work the opposite ends of the day, uh, there's phone calls, there's texting. I'm yes. usually calling Chris on my break, asking, "What's the plan? What am yeah. I leading into for this afternoon?" Uh, that that break time that I get between the AM shows and the noon that's usually the determining factor of how long I'm going to be in the building. Which preference I have no problems with. I yeah. In-studio, out in the field, I don't have a preference worth. I've done both at this point. Um, it's just knowing, and then knowing what I'm running into, especially checking the radar at three thirty, four 4 o'clock in the morning. I get a pretty early bird look at what I can see for the afternoon. So I get a decent mental picture of what to expect uh, as far as what I'm doing that – Goes down to Chris as yeah, to where so, he wants me.
0: Yeah, we'll end up, we'll, we'll lay out a, usually a rough plan days in advance. I mean, we we right. already have plans that mm-hmm. you know this is the general. This is where we're generally. This is our general plan of attack. We we do this leading up to the event, and then we'll kind of then we've got you know this time we've got Adam on standby. Molly's. I mean, we're all on standby for these situations. And then the day before, we're going to start looking at okay, who's doing what, who's, and then we we kind of maybe pick a soft target. Which usually the day four, it's anywhere in our viewing area.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and throw, then the, just throw
1: a dart, see what yeah, happens. We're just
0: kind of like, yeah. If depending on the setup, it's usually most of the region has the same kind of threat. And then that morning, then the morning of the event, we look at because we we often have some sort of showers or something going on in the morning, and that's going to ultimately impact what's going to end up happening that afternoon and evening when the main event would, other, would be taking place. And that's where we look at things and we go, okay. We're sending either Molly out, Adam's going to be in the studio, or Adam's going out and Molly's in the studio. And we are going to, well, we plan on get you out in position around 3 o'clock here, keeping an eye on it, and then it's going to be really bad between 3.30, whatever. whatever. And so that's kind of the general plan of attack. Uh, A lot of folks at home probably don't see that. They just see us interrupting their programming. (laughs) Hi! (laughs) Or interrupting their basketball. Basketball or Jeopardy. Bachelor. Uh, bachelor that thankfully is not on our channel yes boy that would be brutal
1: um i the the one day that always sticks out with me the most because that was my first real taste of severe weather coverage uh i had done a flood day coverage at my previous station uh the very end of march last year that we had a severe weather alert day and it was all three of us in the building for about thirteen hours, just hanging out. That was my first real taste, and who, that was a fun one. That was a good time.
2: <laughs> I know for me, also, uh, I've got a lot of nerdy weather friends. We have Snapchats and group chats, and I had one time. Um, this is when I was in Joplin uh, during the t- twenty nineteen uh, Carl Junction tornado that we had, which was a rough night because I didn't. I think I didn't go to sleep for over twenty something hours because I went from morning shift back to work in that evening back to the morning shift
1: that that turnaround yeah. shift though it was
2: there i was like i went home and i was like i need to take a nap and i just couldn't take a nap because we had a moderate risk that day plus it was the anniversary of the joplin tornado mm-hmm. now it never got that bad where we had an ef5 come through but we had an ef3 come through at carl junction which is just north of joplin anyway um but that storm i remember i had a buddy of mine who actually said hey i'm chasing i'm like oh well what do you see because he's also his 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 stuff is all He's always been about chasing. What do you think? And I get kind of, I like to bounce ideas off of people. Chris knows all the time I ask him about the forecast, like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Sometimes I'll ask Molly, too. What do you think? Because I know that I have one thought, but that doesn't mean it's the correct thought. I think it's a melding of thoughts, and um, I asked my buddy Cameron, sometimes I'm like, are you going to be in the field today? Sometimes he'll say yes, sometimes he'll say no. Now that he's in Michigan, he probably won't be anymore, but, <laughs> but he was in the plains that day, and you know, he said, hey, he even called me up and said, hey, uh, you might want to, you know, it's, it's looking pretty rough, and I thought, okay, well, if Cameron thinks that way, and I asked him, what made you think that way? You know, and he says, look at this, look at this, and I said, good point, didn't look at those yet good to know. Um, and our plan of attack usually was in Joplin was, you know, depending on who Shifter was, was the main anchor for whatever. So if we were doing it in the morning, which we rarely had events in the morning, I would have been doing it. Or if the weekends, I would have been doing it. And then the chief comes in and decides, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Now they've changed a lot of things. Uh, They're KODE, with their staffing. But Usually it was one or two, you know, I was number two. I was usually web guy, you know, making sure we got on Facebook Live, making sure our alerts got on Facebook and Twitter. And then we had, you know, I was the one that would go back in the newsroom and say, hey, we need somebody out here. This is where this is happening. Um, and then we would tag team on uh, cut-ins. So it would be like if Chris was talking about we have a tornado warning for X, Y, and Z county, this is what's happening, uh, talking about the basically the bread and butter of the county And then I would follow up with, this storm is doing X, Y, and Z because of the atmosphere. And I kind of switch it up a little bit, like, this is why we're seeing this kind of weather for today. And then you could get a quick, uh, Ray would get a quick drink of water, you know, breathe for a half second, and then go right back into it. So we'd go back and forth and back and forth. And that really helped because it kind of not only just add the warning aspect to it, but it answered the why are we getting these storms aspect. That was usually during during the event, but Mm -hmm. leading up to it it was usually just kind of, contacting each other making sure we had a plan, like an idea of what was going on and updating each other. And that does help. So, I like that you guys pretty much have the same thing. The only difference is you guys go out in the field. We didn't go out in the field. So
1: Yeah, we uh, – I, I, I spent equal amounts of time in both places last summer. Yeah, between, think, yeah we kind of – Between in-office and in the field. Uh, very lucky that I didn't have to pull any turnaround shifts last year. That uh, is good. Yeah, uh, we try ha- to
0: avoid those. We
1: but. D- uh, There is the one day – I remember I was filling in for a weekend and did, you know, a lot of part of what our our deal is, is depending on how severe it is, we'll stick with web for a lot of our live stuff is web. Uh, So I was live for about an hour and a half, two hours in the afternoon one day. I was like, all right, I'm going to hang out and see what happens next. No sooner did I tell Chris that I was going to be fine for the night that we got four warnings in Henry County. You're like. Hey, I'm gonna come in. I was like, "Okay, see you in a few <laughs> minutes, Chris." <laughs>
0: so that was a that was a that was an interesting day. Um, we had a lot of hail. Um, there was a lot of wind too. A lot that of day. wind and a lot of hail, and there was a lone tornado threat. It wasn't super, mm. um, but there were some hailers that some supercells that kind of popped up, which were expected. And there when was this last year. What, this, what month? What day? I don't remember exactly. July. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel it was like late in the season. Yeah, I was, was going to say like it was July. a late season event or early. It was a late season event. Um, and we'll get into the climatology of that here in just a minute, uh, but it was a it was a it was an interesting setup because we were getting you know two inch diameter hail, mm-hmm. which around here is not very is not a common occurrence. And so I'm like, man, yeah, these are these are you know, there's no tornado issue with these, but they are you know dropping some hailstones that are going to cause some damage. And Molly was Molly was fine. She was handling all that just fine. I was out taking pictures of the storms, and because I'm like, I never get to do this. And since there's no tornado threat, uh, or at least Chris, a very limited one, I'm just gonna go out. And
1: Chris is out here just having a good time. I know,
0: take some <laughs> pictures, and a, you know, and and then so we that first round eventually goes by. And we're like, all right, there's gonna be another line coming in. There's gonna be the main main line, and we see it developing. It was moving through Iowa, and it was a line that started to congeal, and It really got together in Henry mm-hmm. County. And it was, a, it was a little bow echo and a little tiny mini. Uh, I don't know if it would qualify as a derecho. I don't know if it traveled the distance, but it had that kind of punch. I mean, it yeah. was a it was a small bow echo that just kind of developed as soon as it crossed the Mississippi. And it was coming on through. And I'm like, this thing is going to wallop us with 70-plus mile-per-hour winds. And it, it did, <laughs> up until at least the Illinois River. I think it kind of started to fizzle it, off Yeah, from there.
1: It, it fizzled once it passed the river. Yeah.
0: So it... it uh, the, by the way, folks listening, the, the river had nothing to do with it fizzling. It's just the instability weakened because the storms earlier in the day were all east. It of was, the
1: river. and if uh, if I remember correctly, we did wall to wall that night for an hour and a half, and by that point, the sun was already going down by the time it was in our viewing area. Yeah. So it starting, it was starting to lose a little bit of that punch. Yep. But it it was, was just getting
0: the dark, and then the atmosphere time. to the east had already kind of been overworked to some degree.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, so that it, was a fun one. It was,
0: it was, it was. Uh, we're like, yeah, we'll keep. You know, it worked out, and didn't, I don't think we had a. It, there wasn't much on TV that day. I don't think. But. No,
1: uh, Molly, go check and see if there's hail. Can't open the door. It turns the door. around. Turn around. It. <laughs> <The> building's dark. <laughs>
0: we did lose power as soon as you walked out.
1: I know. I, and then I came back in, and you're running between both computers. I'm like, um what just happened
0: yeah i'm trying to get both computers back up (laughs) after the power hit Uh, Uh, but you know it worked out it did um so let's kind of talk about switch gears here into severe weather climatology um it seems like we should be already it kind of feels like right that we should be getting into it but really it's we're not even in the season you know, yet. I did a bunch of stories the other day or a couple of weeks
2: ago about Severe Weather Preparedness because it was Severe Weather Awareness mm-hmm. and Preparedness Week. But it's one of those things that it's one of those. Yeah, we're not really into the, the true part of the season for us yet, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't think about it early. You know, mm-hmm. get your plans ready, get your kit ready uh, yep. and make sure you're ready to roll because just because it's not really our time yet doesn't mean we haven't had severe weather in March and February before. Here. Right.
1: The, I, I, one of the things that always has stuck out with me uh, since I have gone through a full season uh, here in Peoria now, what we always say in like March and all the way through as far as like August and September, November, when you get into those early or late months, it doesn't take a whole lot for something to get going. It just nope. takes kind of the right amount of certain ingredients to really get stuff going, which is why we saw that very tail end of the season we had one more severe weather day in november last year we had that one severe weather day at the very end of march last year it doesn't take a whole lot in the early or later parts of the season to really see something happen uh which is why you always have to think about it early and late
0: so i talked about this and uh the course is already done for those who are listening but i taught uh, Weather in the Heartland course, and we kind of addressed this. And I went back, and while doing my research about some of our – I didn't cover every event because I just don't have the time to cover every – I would, we could talk for hours on end about how every event uh, that's hit at Illinois. Illinois. Um, but all the events, all the big headline-type events ha- that have impacted our area in recent history and even going all the way back into the 40s have all happened out of peak season. And so you had the Washington tornado back in November. That was November 17, 2013. We had the last F5 central Illinois saw. That was March 16, 1942. The December tornado outbreak of 2018, 29 tornadoes touching down across the state, a lot of them touching down in our viewing area. That's early December, late November. You can chalk that up for our second severe weather season, but that's still not peak season. hmm um, and then there's been a number of other events. Uh, er, there were some events in April. Now, April you start to get into uh, our actual season, but even then, April is is early. It can be kind of early for some, depending on what you're talking about, depending on which and you know, also where in April you're talking. When but it com- it's good to be prepared. Oh yeah, and, and I remember
2: talking to a friend uh, when I was back in Joplin. He said when it comes to the early season stuff, a lot of things have to go right before you can get those big outbreaks and stuff and in some cases like obviously like uh there with uh, the washington tornado everything came right and you were getting into the time of year where the wind shear was starting to pick up so that helped boost it too but that was just one of those days it was like everything just came together yeah, and it, it, and it doesn't, doesn't happen often
0: it doesn't need to feel when you get into spring and you get into late uh or even fall once you get into spring and fall you don't necessarily need it to be you know, uh, 75 degrees with a 70 degree dew point for severe weather. It's all relative to mm-hmm. the atmosphere mm-hmm. conditions that are going on above the ground. So in for that December 1st outbreak, you know, we had dew points in the upper 50s, temperatures in the low 60s. For December, late November, early December, that's quite muggy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that for, de- for that standard, the air above the ground is in December mode. <laughs> and so it's all relative. That's an explosive environment that's, you know, that, for would would equate to a mm-hmm. you know a 65 degree dew point over a 70 degree dew point in late spring early summer and in that case everything, it's all relative
2: everything that in in, in in relative to that time of year yep everything came together
0: mm-hmm. yep yep so and that was a that december outbreak that was a slight risk yeah event. that really yeah there were most of those tornadoes that formed um now i mean look based on the tornadoes one you could have upped this to a to a moderate, and we had a lot of them, but it was all from two or three supercells. Yeah. that And they just were, the, they were long track supercells that just kept dropping tornado after tornado after tornado after tornado. After tornado. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't blame SPC for, I mean, it, you look at the climatology of the event, you go, what's the chance that this is actually going to turn into a massive event? And, like, I mean, it, it was just, it was the, the two or three storms were responsible for almost all mm-hmm. of the... uh all of those events. So uh, yeah, good to be prepared, mm-hmm. even off season. Um, but you know, now is the time of year where the, at least the chances of these events are going to start to, to kind of ramp up.
1: They, they start to become uh, a little bit more frequent. Uh, it gives us as a weather team uh, some practice covering these events before we start really getting into full severe season. Uh, in turn, you know, we mentioned the December outbreak was only a slight risk. Hmm? And then we ended up with a, moderate risk for end of march last year and i don't think we got as high as that for the rest of the season
0: no and and we don't get those very often i mean we get them but usually if we do it's because of of the damaging wind potential Mm -hmm. which is what drove that moderate risk last year
2: speaking of climatology though
0: we may not be in
2: full season yet but I'm pretty sure the southeast as we saw the other day is in Dixie alley season
0: is ready to go mm-hmm. yeah they they have uh, entered peak season down there and we, they just recently had their high risk some say it's a bust I don't know there was a whole bunch of tornadoes that formed in that high risk area so that't yeah. that's not a that's to me not a bust and it was a lot of a lot of them formed in an area that there weren't that many
2: people so it's hard to calculate this yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. Thank goodness. Which it's hard to calculate damage when if a, if you I've seen videos of giant tornadoes that don't hit a thing and mm-hmm. get you know get EF one, EF zero category, but they look like monsters. Well, they didn't hit anything. So yeah, that's, that's, yeah. That, that makes it really rough. The
1: the EF scale, well, it is also uh, very heavily dependent on damage assessments after the fact. Yeah. Uh, it also does kind of get coupled with actual visuals during the event just to see this was the actual thing that came down and actually did this damage, whether it was extensive or very little, obviously, based on where it comes down and what kind of structures it interacts with.
2: And then we also, Chris and I, the or other day, we were talking about the storms out there in uh, Texas. They had mm-hmm. couples mm-hmm. in the Panhandle, too. I don't know if that's really their peak season yet, though. It's pretty early for them. Don't they usually get
0: going by May? Yeah, April May mm-hmm. is going to be Texas is, That was a those type of events are, you know, it's early season for them. Mm-hmm. You know, the but that once you get these spring storms that form like that, they're going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I think western Texas is a very unique environment. It's yes, a it very is. unique environment yes, for, it is. for storms and um but uh yeah, so it's it, it it's been I think we're still maybe slightly below average on tornado activity nationally for the year which is good Mm -hmm. yes but that you got to be careful with these coming out of la nina events if we do we're supposed to transition out of la nina and if we do we they tend to get a little more active so the the plains up and across the midwest could be looking at some slightly more active severe weather uh, as we get into the next couple of months so again just build your you know have your safety kits on on standby make sure you know where everything is and go over the plans with your family things may have changed Mm -hmm. Now,
2: Chris, since you were from out west, out yonder, and you worked in uh, Wyoming. Um, out there, their season kind of starts late compared to ours. Correct?
0: Uh, yeah, it's a little bit. Le- uh, it's a little bit later. It doesn't. It's not significant. I th- I'd say we peak at the same time, but the peak is is for a smaller period of time. Uh, so it was usually late July, early June, if you were talking um, tornadoes and hail. Yeah. But I mean, keep in mind it would. Any thunderstorm up there produced hail. Yeah, oh. at that point, at that point, you're right. You're right. <laughs> there was nobody more, you know, when the National Weather Service switched the criteria from three quarter inch size hail to one inch diameter hail for severe thunderstorm warnings. Nobody was more relieved than meteorologists who live out in the high plains because <laughs> that means they didn't have to warn automatically every single storm that would develop because every storm had nickel sized hail with it.
2: Because Colorado, <laughs> even eastern Colorado, is well known for having just hail almost every other storm, severe storm. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, yep. usually I would call that the hail capital of the country. One yep. of the hail capitals of the Country. so
0: the reason why is you there's a couple things a the air is much drier. Uh, reason part of the reason we don't get a lot of hail out here or when we do it's not typically that monstrous size is because the air out there is drier. So when you have drier air your hailstones do not melt as quickly as it were say falling through a fully saturated, Atmosphere, and then you also elevation plays a role. So the elevation out there, you know, be anywhere between four thousand and six thousand feet on the plains. That's four thousand six thousand feet less the hailstone has to fall through mm-hmm. of atmosphere, mm-hmm. and so it's it, it it's just a lot easier to get ice down to the to the ground at those higher elevations. Yeah, I've had some friends that are
2: by the Dakotas. You know, they they've done forecasting up there, and their season I think goes into August, doesn't it? It's I mean, late it's, summer. It's very well, was, late we get that yeah. high up north. I
1: actually saw so. Right around the time that uh, the high risk and everything got issued for the uh, southeast and everything like that National Weather Service actually came out with a really interesting graphic that depicts um, severe weather season, uh, according to region. Uh, and what you notice as you go through the trend of basically the entire spring summer and into fall is the peak seasons for everyone gradually moves north.
2: Yes, I'm assuming that has something to do with daylight or uh, sun or sunlight too, because as you go farther north, they get longer hours anyway. But once you get to August, it's almost a longer day completely. So
0: yes, there's a the couple of things that do feed into that is a your sun angle does change mm-hmm. and and with time your the atmosphere warms up, but the other driving force behind that that and it's all that all correlated. Is your jet stream shifts north? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to yeah, have the right. jet stream to provide the wind shear. You can have all the instability in the world. You can just go ask Florida, <laughs> and you're not going to necessarily have severe weather without some strong winds. And so you got to have you got to have the jet stream. And so that's kind of really been the driving force. But yes, it, it, it's it's the jet stream is related to that warm up. That jet stream is often the dividing line between the cold Canadian air and then your warm tropical mm-hmm. air masses that come in from the south. And so, as the atmosphere warms up, as your sun angle changes and continues to heat up, you know the ground at. Now, keep in mind, peak season actually probably comes after the, um, after the equinox. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Which is
1: Saturday, by the way. I oh, know. I know. Spring is here. Yay!
0: And the solstice, and so as your days get shorter, your severe weather seasons are still getting, uh, still getting a little bit longer. I mean, so, but that there's always a delay. Everything's delayed. The peak time heating a day doesn't happen at noon, right, when the sun's directly right. overhead. It happens at like 3 or 4 o'clock mm-hmm. because there's a delay in how that heat is released. Anyway, we're not getting into the <laughs> thermodynamics. That's, a whole, That's a whole podcast. other <laughs> podcast. That's a whole other podcast. Next week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Next week on.
0: Anyway, uh, so, yeah, peak season's around the corner. Um, I've got some stats pulled up here on my computer. I thought it would be very really cool to go up and over here for Illinois. Um, and a lot of folks may find this – Interesting. So uh, I've been asked, and you may have seen nationally, uh, a lot of folks ask me, are tornado trends getting worse? If you look at the national scale, there's really no discernible trend. But it's a little different when you look at Illinois. We've seen, a, we've seen an upward trend. And that's due to a couple things. Um, pull up this tornado trends page. And we're going to have this up on our website, uh, ciproud.com. Adam, looking at you. We'll get it done. <laughs> he'll get it up there for know, that you. That guy, that guy. That guy. And he'll get these maps up there, uh, hopefully, uh, as soon as he can. But these are, these are, great. These are great charts. Uh, they're great graphics. So all tornadoes. You can see uh, that there is a – I'm going to turn the monitor so Molly yeah. Yeah, can see. There we go. So there is, a, there is a good trend up. Now, they do equate this to, hey, we're getting better at reporting these things. Everybody's got a cell phone now. It's easy to report these. Uh, you look at the weak tornadoes. You know the weak tornadoes in particular have a good, steady upward trend. And then the severe tornadoes, which according to this chart is rated F1 and higher, uh, you also see a slight trend up. Now they even now they'll acknowledge that some of this is due to people reporting, better reporting capabilities. We got people with cell phones everywhere, and frankly, more people are just educated. They're keeping their eyes to the skies. Um, you know, more people know the stuff is coming, so they you know they where's it at, and then uh, so we you know we often get better reports. But other studies have also shown there's been a slight shift eastward with uh, at least the tornado days, you know, based on something like uh, significant tornado parameters. So basically when the atmosphere becomes more conducive for tornadoes, they have seen that that upward, at least slight uptick that kind of correlates with that. And when you start looking at the where the conditions are more conducive for tornadoes rather than direct tornado reports... Now you can start saying, yeah, I think things are kind of nudging in that direction where Tornado Alley has kind of shifted. Now whether it will eventually shift back, I guess time will tell. Uh, But that's kind of interesting here in Illinois as this is becoming a bigger hotspot, along with the southeast in particular. The southeast is really becoming a hotspot, Mm -hmm. at least over the trend over the last 50, 60 years.
1: The the other side, uh, like we mentioned earlier with EF being uh, a lot of damage reports and everything like that that go into the EF scale rating, their buildings are not built the same way that ours are in the Midwest. No,
0: they're different. Yeah. Ours are
1: built to withstand a little bit more in the way of higher winds. Theirs are not. It's a lot easier to cause it's more a lot damage. and
0: yeah, there's because of the water table out there. There's not a lot of basements in the South. Yeah. Um, you get more basements, obviously, around here. Um, but yeah, that's so it's it, it is different. They, everything's built. You also end up with a lot of modular or uh, mobile homes out in the Southeast mm-hmm. and. Uh, no matter what they tell you, they're just not safe places to be in. No, uh, I mean, you're, if your home is not anchored to a foundation, don't be in it. Go, during a go tornado. find
1: one that is anchored.
0: Yeah, get to a community shelter, and uh, if you can. I know that that has been really tricky with COVID because then you got, what do you do? Um, but uh, my advice always go for what the immediate threat is.
2: <laughs> I talked with uh, last season when we had severe weather starting, and COVID was just becoming, you know. A little bit more of a bigger topic. I talked to our emergency manager in uh Jasper County, Missouri, Keith Stammer, great guy. Um, but he was saying, you know, you gotta go with which one's the bigger threat at that moment. Is it somebody that potentially has COVID or is it the tornado that's barreling down your community? I don't and he's like I, he's like I, he pretty much said he's like, I don't know about you, but I would take that that shelter. Yeah. And obviously if you can stay six feet apart, go ahead, go ahead wear yeah. a mask, all yeah. that other stuff,
0: but that's more of an immediate threat, is the tornado coming? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. and and now we we're on the tail end of this pandemic, and, and things are improving. So hopefully, that's not much of an issue for us going into right. this this upcoming I severe hope so weather too. season. Uh, tornado deaths, uh, number of tornado related deaths by year in Illinois. Uh, there's not much of a huge trend there, but it's uh, from some of the peaks back in the '60s. Uh, thankfully, it's not something we see too often, which means we're getting the word out. People are aware. People are are acting. Uh, When these uh, when severe weather strikes, obviously, the Washington tornado, I know, killed um, a few people and there. That whole outbreak killed a few people. There was, you know, so uh, just uh, continue to be aware, get the warning out. And um, honestly, when you look at the tornado, when you look at the Washington, that tornado and that storm in general, how it didn't kill more people. It's uh,
1: yeah, it's it's incredible. incredible.
2: The video I've seen of that storm is is scary. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just scary.
0: Obviously the injuries are typically a little bit higher um, but again um, there's no no significant trend up there's actually no trend up at all if anything there's a trend down so that that's also pretty good. All right tornadoes by month in Illinois this is where things get a little interesting. Um, this would be these are total this is the total number and so our seasons April, May and June and for us it's really mid to late April is when we see that season really spike up here uh, for central Illinois. But once it's amazing the drop off from June to July. Yeah, it's like night and day. That's usually when we start going into supercell season, into derecho season, and damaging winds, and you know microburst and linear storm season. Yes, exactly. A lot, a lot of lot of those type of straight line wind events. We also would end up with your occasional microburst you get a you just get a storm that pops up and it just drops a lot of rain maybe some gusty winds We had a couple of those, kind of those last out. year yeah, yeah. Uh, those are just annoying <laughs> 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 that's where your daily 30% chance of of rain always ends up coming into play and it remember,
1: remember that thirty percent chance we mentioned earlier. Yep, it's right here, yeah, right, it's right there, right in this spot. At
2: that point in the year, too, you got. This is more from a chaser point of view. I've been told uh, a lot of people don't chase that time of year because not only the weather conditions aren't perfect, but corn—it's hard to see. It is hard to see. It's <laughs> it's it's hard to see. Corn, gotta, the corn is higher than uh, than your uh, your head at that point. You got so to look for
1: the you got to look for the soybean field.
2: Exactly. <laughs> right next to one of
0: those is a cornfield. It's always always rotating. <laughs> Looking at uh, tornadoes by time of day, this probably is no surprise to anybody. But most tornadoes come late afternoon and early evening. I mean, that's you know, you get your after your you've heated up the atmosphere, you get your storms developing. Um, Those storms will probably develop, you know, two three o'clock in the afternoon, and then they start moving in or moving through the area, and that's when they start to get their act together. And and by early evening is usually when the upper level winds start to pick up too. It's what we call a low-level. It's not really upper-level winds. It's it's a low-level jet. It's a couple thousand feet off the ground. But once those start to turn or really start to crank up, that's where the wind shear picks up for at least a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. And that's going to happen right around sunset or shortly after.
2: And at the most important part of the turning for tornadoes is at the lowest level. So yes. you've got it right there. I mean, it's you've already got the wind shear in place for these strong storms. Then you've got the lower level turning as well. It's just adding to it.
0: Yep. And and so usually in the five to six p.m. Uh, this is data going back to, uh, this was 2011, but uh, it, it's still, it, it's important to remember that as we get into storm season, and this is going to be probably a little bit more of an issue this year, uh, because of COVID, there are a lot of sporting events that would take place in the fall are now taking place in the spring. Mm-hmm. Football is uh, starting Football, tonight. Yep, football's ramping up tonight. And so we, obviously we it's going to be it's going to be a little chilly, but it's going to be great weather for it. But as we, something to keep in mind is that, you know, Friday nights or or nights in general in the spring, we could be talking greater possibilities of of severe weather in the coming weeks. And if something's happening on a Friday, if we have severe weather expected, and, you know, you're out and about on a Friday night at 5 or 6 o'clock at night, that's, you know, a lot of people are away from home. They may be away from their weather radios. Now, thank goodness they have apps and phones can help you out with that. Um, so that's a little bit of a concern, but you're away from your storm shelter. You're away from your, your safety kit. So just, you know, just be aware of the forecast um, as we get into severe weather season and, and these as we try to get through sports, too, and, and make up season for everything the kids have missed out on over the past year. Uh, just don't forget that, you know— it, the rest of the world, the rest of what happens this time of year is still going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's weird because I used to shoot football and I'm shooting football here in uh,
2: Peoria. But when I was in Joplin, I would shoot during the fall. And this is the first season where I've had where they're like, hey, there's it's actual chance that we might pull Adam from football tonight and throw him back in the weather department. I'm like, oh, yeah, I haven't had to do that before yeah. with severe weather. We never because it would always be late enough in the season down there that they wouldn't get any severe weather so it's it's weird to think about it's like there's a legit chance i could not go shoot football that night and just be stuck doing severe weather which is fine it's just it's just
0: interesting to think about yeah and and look uh, we hope that this we hope that we don't have any active Mm -hmm. right because we want these kids to get out and i want to i want to shoot some football i want to shoot some football we want to see football (laughs) this is exciting i mean it's going to be kind of nice getting back to some sort of cool friday night routine yeah the Um,
1: the other half of that if you do choose to go out and you know go to football games participate in these these sporting events Pay attention to where you're at and notice where your storm shelter is because, you know, every, you know, all of these sporting events, there has to be a storm shelter somewhere. Whether it is built into the the stadium or if it's right next to the school or if it's right next to the school, if it's in the school somewhere, Mm -hmm. know where your shelter is so that you know exactly where you need to go if something happens.
0: All right. Number of uh, tornadoes by EF scale. Probably no surprise. Most of them are weaker and then they get fewer and fewer as you kind of step on down uh, the ladder there. I mean, we've only had, based on this by uh, the state climatologist uh, graph here, it's we've only had three uh, fives. Uh, that would be the, obviously the Lakin one, 1942. That was the last one we've had in our local area. You had the Plainfield tornado yep. in 1990, and then you had uh, one in Sunfield, Illinois, which I think, I don't even know if that community even exists anymore, but based on the reports in the 50s, that whole town got wiped out. What about the uh, tri-state? Now, that one was an EF at least when it was through Illinois, it was either three or four. I'm or just curious so I know that, that, that one is like a
2: legendary. That's a storm. big one. Yeah, that could be a whole podcast topic. Look at that. We, could, big, we, we got topics while we're hey. talking, eh?
0: Hey. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk more about that one. Uh, obviously, no surprise though. Even though the uh, most tornadoes are weak, it's the three stronger ones that have been responsible for most of the deaths. And so, on average, um, we've had far more deaths by the three EF fives and the other ones all oh, and that's no surprise right, no. and it's just those big ones are uh, they they kind of wipe everything out um so yeah it kind of interesting stats just you know late afternoon early evening are when we get our tornadoes our peak tornadoes during the day tornado season typically runs from april may through june and then we kind of see a sharp drop off on either end of that peak um, but there's usually a little slight bump in tornado activity uh, in november uh, the December outbreak was kind of unique in itself. That uh, that was December first. So I mean, if it was, if it was a leap year or something, <laughs> maybe it's still in November. But uh, anyway, kind of interesting. This may be a weird question for you guys. Have you guys? I
2: know we, we all like severe weather, but have you guys felt the fatigue after the season ends? Oh From yeah. severe weather, yeah.
0: it, it, it wears you down. It wears you down. A because it's there's a, there's an emotional toll, especially if you end up with a lot of damage. For me, okay. If if I have last year wasn't bad for me. Uh, there, but we didn't have anything super destructive come through either. Um, there was, when we had one go through Pontiac a few years back, uh, Ottawa and they played I was relieved that that season was over because I was just like, I'm done with dealing with, with this damage. 2019, <clears throat> which I think a lot of
2: forecasters in the Plains were like, we just are sick of severe weather. Because it was every day. There was yeah, yeah. some, at least a enhanced risk or a slight risk, and it was just exhausting. So that put me off of it for a while. Now that I've gotten a little bit of a break from it, I'm, I'm – you know, not say so, I mean, what I'm just saying. I'm, I'm more emotionally better than it was, but I just remember just being exhausted after going through that season. Yep. and it, it it is it does wear on us. Do you think I mean we like severe weather, but we don't like it when think bad things happen mm-hmm. as a result no. from it.
0: We like it from a from an observing standpoint, right. and, and you know, kind of in the in the awe of Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, watching and having to cover it and and watch it watch communities get devastated over and over again now thankfully we just don't it doesn't happen often right but you know there are seasons that are longer than others and you're like oh give me a right we let's just move into let's move into something that's let's move into winter mode or or yeah. just give me something that's
1: <laughs> let's <laughs> change gears hey, but after, after
0: this winter man i'm kind of exactly over oh, winter <laughs> we get winter fatigue too we're done with i'm done with forecasting snow and ice and We've had quite a bit of ice this mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. Um, for statistical, you know, reasoning, I and mean, we've had more than we've we've wanted. Even a late season event, <laughs> a couple of weeks back. So, yeah, let's let's get on with it. Let's change it up a little bit. I'm happy to hear thunder, you know, hear a few rumbles of thunder here and there. I haven't heard any yet. I don't think this year.
2: Really? I don't think I've heard any. Yeah, no. I've heard that mm. there have been rumbles of thunder, but I have not heard it. So I've heard mm-hmm. I've heard
0: one or two.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've
2: been. It's been
0: nice.
1: Um. I, granted, I've only done one full severe weather season. Uh, I didn't really get burnt out after that, even though I did all of them. Um, mm. That that was the running joke last year, too. That give was, it a few more years. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a <laughs> few more years. Um, I think what helped on my end, at least, is I wasn't doing the same thing each time. I was yeah, yeah. switching it up between That's good, studio too. and field, so...
0: Yeah, and that that helps a little bit, and I I hope to get out a little bit more this year too. I'm, but I'm not. I probably still would be, and I'm still going to be in the studio if anything's happening locally. But it would be nice if something were to happen.
1: No, 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 Adam, just, and I got it. Of, we'll, I, we'll get it.
0: I, I want to get out of the. i to get out of the get out of the studio and go, nah, go we'll, look.
1: We'll handle it. I we'll, trust we you. Got it. Yep.
0: All right. So who's going to send
2: us out with a good joke today? I got one from basketball since today is the beginning of March Madness. What do you call it when a Cinderella team busts your bracket? What? March sadness. <laughs>